Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture lesson today comes from 2 Kings, chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. The king sent a message, and all of Judah's and Jerusalem's elders gathered before him. Then the king went up to the Lord's temple, together with all the people of Judah and all the citizens of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and all the people, young and old alike. There the king read out loud all the words of the covenant scroll that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king stood beside the pillar and made a covenant with the Lord that he would follow the Lord by keeping his commandments, his laws, and his regulations with all of his heart and all of his being in order to fulfill the words of this covenant that were written in this scroll. All of the people accepted the covenant. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh Lord, open our thoughts and our minds and our hearts this day to receive the word that you have for us. May your spirit move within us, compelling us to love and to serve you faithfully today and in this new year. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So it is the first day of a new year. Happy 2023. Yay, right? For many of us, we are excited to start a new year. It's kind of fun to start a new year, to think about, ooh, what are the new things that could happen this year? Perhaps uh, the new vacation spots we're looking to visit in the coming year or gatherings with family and friends. Those of us that um, maybe have children are looking forward to starting school or to graduations or to other life moments with our families. Perhaps some of you are looking forward to retirement this year. Hey, that's something to celebrate. But a new year also has some unknowns with it. We don't really know what this new year will hold. We don't know what changes may happen, changes that may not be so good, that might not feel so comfortable for us. With a new year, there may be people that we lose over the coming year, maybe due to death or to moves, or even to just changes in relationships that make it hard for us to stay in relationship with each other. Maybe that happened for you in 2022. And so you're entering this new year with some trepidation, with some grief and some uncertainty. As we start a new year, maybe you're some of the folks that are planning your New Year's resolutions. And maybe you might keep them longer than a day or two or a week. 
But if you don't like resolutions, maybe you're looking to plan some goals for 2023. Maybe you're looking to make some commitments, which sounds a little bit like maybe we're really going to do it this time as opposed to a resolution, which maybe feels a little flimsier, something that we can easily pass away or pass off to the side. I've been thinking on this phrase by Maya Angelou. She says, when you know better, you do better. And so I've been reflecting on this phrase over the last few weeks. And it's a phrase that I'm actually, I'm taking with me into 2023. So maybe instead of a goal or a resolution or, I, I'm making a commitment in 2023 that when I know better, I do better. Check back with me in a couple weeks and see how that's going, okay? But I feel like in all aspects of my life, I want to learn and grow so that I can know better and do better. Here at church, as one of your pastors, I want to know better so I can do better. And leading with you and alongside you in ministry. Thinking about works of justice and anti-racism. When I uh, learn and know better, I want to then go and then do better. I want to know my family better so that I can love them better. When I think about 2022, I can think back on times when I hurt people with my words and my actions and perhaps even my silence. And so this is my public declaration. You are my witnesses that in 2023, I am committing to do better. Doing better does not equal perfection. Do I need to say that again? (laughs) Doing better does not equal perfection. I will still make mistakes. I will still hurt people. I still have more to learn, more growing to do. But when I mess up, when I do wrong, I commit to learn, to make amends, and to do better. I think it takes courage to make any sort of change in our lives. It takes courage to make and to keep resolutions, to set goals and to pursue those goals, or even to commit to doing better. Scripture reminds us that we are not alone. God is with us, and the people in Scripture, the people who have gone before us, they are still with us through the witness of their lives. And so today I want to lift up the character of the young King Josiah, to learn about a change he made in his life, a commitment he made in his life, and how that affected him and the people of Judah. So if we go back to the Old Testament, do you remember King David? Raise your hand if you remember King David. That sounds familiar. Okay, good. All right, King David had a son, King Solomon. Raise your hand if you remember hearing about King Solomon. Great. After King Solomon died, there were other kings that came to power. 
And the kingdom of Israel was separated and split up into two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And each kingdom then had their own lineage of kings. And so if you go back into the Old Testament, um, in the books of 1 Kings and 2 Kings, you hear about this, this lineage of kings. And some of the prophets that you read about in the Old Testament, they were speaking to some of those different kings over the course of time. And so some of these kings were good. They were faithful to God and to uh, their people. They were good stewards of the land and the people that were entrusted to them. And some kings were not so good. Some were self-centered and conceited. Some turned their backs on God and worshipped other idols. Some of these kings were not spiritual leaders for their people. They were not good stewards of the land or the people entrusted to their care. In the southern kingdom of Judah, there was a king by the name of Manasseh. And during his 55-year reign as king, Scripture tells us that he did evil in the Lord's eyes. He set up altars for other idols. He even set up these altars in the courtyard of the temple in Jerusalem and encouraged people to come and to worship these other idols at these altars. He spilled innocent blood. He caused the people of Judah to commit evil in the Lord's eyes. And so after a 55-year reign, King Manasseh died, and his son Amon became the next king of Judah. Amon also did evil in the Lord's eyes. He worshipped the same idols that his father worshipped. His reign only lasted two years before he died. And when he died, his eight-year-old son, Josiah, became the next king. And here's where Josiah sort of breaks a generational pattern. Where his father and grandfather before him had committed evil in the Lord's eyes, Scripture tells us that Josiah did right in the Lord's eyes, and he walked in the footsteps of his ancestor, King David. He certainly did not learn to be faithful to God from his father or his grandfather. Scripture is pretty silent on where he learned to be faithful to God perhaps from his mother, or perhaps from other priests and other court officials that were there to advise him and to help him step into the role as king. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent officials to meet with the high priest in the temple. There were workers in the temple, and they were repairing and, and uh, kind of making right the temple. Because you can imagine after over 57 years of people not worshiping correctly in the temple, you can imagine that they had some repairing to do, some reconstruction, some cleaning, and, and making things right again. And so King Josiah sends court officials uh, with some money to make sure that the workers are paid their fair wages for doing the good work uh, that they have been asked to do. And while they're there, the high priest comes out and he reads the scroll of instruction that had been found in the temple. The high priest then gives the scroll to the court officials and they say, go and take this to the king and read it to him. We found this scroll in the temple. 
he needs to hear these words. And so the court officials, they do that. They go back to the king and they say, okay, king, we got a scroll. We need you to listen. When King Josiah hears the words of the scroll, he rips his clothes. This was a symbol of um, showing kind of agony and despair. Like, oh my goodness, how sinful have we been? I'm going to rip my clothes. I'm going to put on sackcloth and ashes to show that I am um, very sorry and sad and heartbroken over the sin that has happened, over the wrongdoings that we have done. Because in the instruction scroll, the people are instructed by God how to live as followers of God, to live as the people of God, how to love God and to live in relationship with God and with one another. And when King Josiah hears the words of this scroll, he sees and he hears all of the ways that perhaps he himself as an individual, as a king, has failed to live by this instruction. But he also sees and he hears about the ways that his people, his kingdom, have failed to live as the people of God. He hears all of the ways that the generations before him, his father and his grandfather, had turned away from God and had failed to live out the instructions that God had for them. He is confronted with this news. He is confronted with kind of the gap between what God intends for the people and what they're actually doing and living. King Josiah, he could have run away from this news. He could have wallowed in guilt and shame. But in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. King Josiah may not have known what was in the instruction scroll prior to him hearing it read to him. But once he heard those words, he was committed to do better. The king gathered all of the people of Judah at the temple, and he read aloud the scroll so that all the people could hear what the Lord instructs the people to do. In reading the scroll to the people, the king is reminding the people about the covenant made between God and the people, between God and their ancestors. This covenant, it still includes the people of Judah, even if they haven't been maintaining their side of the covenant. King Josiah made a public declaration that he would follow the Lord by keeping the Lord's commandments, laws, and regulations. And all of the people there, they were witnesses to the king's declaration. They saw their leader admit that he had been wrong and not following God's commands. They saw their leader repent and work to make the situation right. And because he's the king of Judah, sort of what he declares also becomes law for the citizens and the people who live in Judah. And so just as King Josiah is making this covenant, kind of renewing his commitment to this covenant with God, he's also renewing it on behalf of the people and saying, okay, people, we're going to stick to this. We may have 
drifted. We may have forgotten what God has instructed of us. We may have failed to do some things that God had asked us to do. And we were, we're recommitting ourselves to following God's instructions. And so the people accepted the covenant. After making this covenant with God, King Josiah, he walked the talk. He had the altars for the various idols removed from the temple. Altars to various idols that found throughout Judah were removed and destroyed. He even instructed the people to observe Passover, the Jewish holiday where they remember how God worked through Moses to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. They had not been celebrating Passover for years. And so King Josiah works to bring back this holiday, if you will, this religious ceremony to the people so they can remember their story, that they can remember how God has been faithful to them in the past, how God freed them from slavery, and how God is working in their lives in that very moment. King Josiah spent the remaining years of his life and his reign working to do what God instructed God's people to do. He was by no means perfect, but he was committed to following the covenant, to doing better, to doing what God was calling him and the people of Judah to do. After King Josiah dies, his son becomes the king of Judah. And unfortunately, his son maybe takes after the grandfather, and he does evil in the Lord's eyes. The kingdom of Judah eventually falls to the Babylonians. And so this, this reign of the kingdom of Judah sort of ends in this time of despair and destruction. Kind of ends on a sad note, if you will. King Josiah's covenant it does not prevent the bad things from happening. It does not prevent the destruction of Jerusalem. King Josiah's reforms do not prevent the Babylonian exile. The people of Judah experience hardship and turmoil as a consequence of the many years that they had not followed God's commands. King Josiah's covenant renewal may not have stopped bad things from happening. However, I do think his covenant renewal made a positive difference in his own life and in his relationship with God. And it also made a difference, a positive difference in the lives of the people of Judah during his reign. When King Josiah heard the words of the instruction scroll, his heart and his life were changed. And his heart and his life continued to be changed as he followed God's commands. King Josiah offered the people of Judah an example of what it looks like to repent, to change your heart and your life. 
And I like to believe that the people of Judah, their hearts and their lives were changed as well by this covenant renewal, by the positive difference that following God's instructions and God's commands made in their lives. John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement, he came across a Puritan book, and this is a very Puritan title, The Vindication of Godliness and the Greater Strictures and Spirituality of It. Ooh, that's a mouthful. And in one of the chapters, John Wesley read about a prayer and a process to kind of recommit yourself to following God's commands, God's instructions for your life. And so John Wesley included content from this chapter in the first covenant renewal service in 1755. And over time, the Methodists in London began practicing a covenant renewal service on New Year's Day using uh, the prayer and kind of the pattern that John Wesley had put together. Wesley's covenant renewal service allowed for people to be honest before God and themselves. This service allowed people to examine their hearts, to ask for forgiveness, and to recommit to covenant relationship with God. And so in the spirit of King Josiah, in the spirit of John Wesley and the early Methodists, today we are going to take part in a section of this covenant renewal service. And so if you received a bulletin on your way into worship, I invite you to turn to the last page. You'll see um, some words that are part of this covenant renewal service. I invite you to take this bulletin home. Sometimes you like to recycle them here at the church, but today I'm going to ask you to take it home. Because while we'll talk through some of this today, you may want to take it home and read over it again for time of maybe deeper reflection and time where you could sit at home and and kind of really reflect more on what um, this covenant renewal service is. And so hear these words. Commit yourself to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to Christ that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves. But then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Friends, these words were put together in the 1700s. Do they sound applicable to us today? Some things are more easy and uh, pleasing to do, and then other things are a little bit harder and perhaps require surrender. To make this holy covenant a reality in your life, listen to these admonitions. First, Set apart some time, more than once, to be spent alone before the Lord and seeking earnestly God's special assistance and gracious acceptance of you and carefully thinking through all the conditions of this covenant and searching your hearts, whether you have already freely given your life to Christ. Consider what your sins are. 
consider the laws of Christ, how holy, strict, and spiritual they are. And whether you, after having carefully considered them, are willing to choose them all. Be sure that you are clear in these matters. See that you do not lie to God. Second, be serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength so you can keep your promise. Trust not your own strength and power. Fourth, resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts. You have opened your mouths to the Lord and you have dedicated yourself to God. And with God's power, never go back. And last, be prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Let us therefore go to God and pray. And I invite you to pray these words along with me. Lord, let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own, but yours. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Almighty God, the Lord all-powerful, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. So be it. And let the covenant I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen. May it be so, my friends, that as we start this new year, 2023, may we commit to know better and to do better. May we commit to be God's covenant servant, living out God's invitation, God's instructions, God's love in this world. May it be so. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.